We're going to continue um, a series in which we started last week. And it is called Broken is Beautiful. Broken is Beautiful. This will be the second part of the 51st Psalm. We did verses one through six last week and we're going to do seven through 17 today. Almost gracious and all wise God, as your humble servant stands in this sacred place to be able to share your word with your people. Father, I want to invite your spirit in this place this morning and create an atmosphere of surrender, liberty, and freedom that you might move among your people and that you touch hearts and minds this morning, that we come to you and bear ourselves before you this morning. Father, we just thank you and we bless you for all of your many blessings. And Father, I pray that you would allow me to decrease and you increase and hide me behind the cross. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be fine, pleasing and acceptable in thy sight. Oh, my Lord, my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to the rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves and then will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire sacrifice or I would offer you one. You do not want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repented heart, O God. The sacrifice that God's desire is a broken spirit. And he promises that when the broken spirit comes to God, that the one thing you don't have to fear is that God will reject you. He calls us to repentance. And so we're going to talk, teach, and preach from the subject of broken is beautiful. Some of us have lived with the shame of promiscuity, abuse of alcohol, gambling addiction, drug addiction, depression, guilt, a life based on lies. We are repressed dysfunction from our childhood and have made many wrong decisions. We have felt anger, we have felt helpless and have found expression in destructive behavior. Uh, David becomes proof that it doesn't matter what you did yesterday, but you can be forgiven today. Here's the truth. God wants to do something in our lives today. I found a poem that I thought was appropriate for this occasion. It's called The Chosen Vessel. In this poem, 
God tells how he picks a vessel to use. Take me, cried the gold one. I'm shiny and bright, and I'm, and I'm of great value. I do everything right. But God passed by the gold, the silver, the bronze, the crystal, and the wooden urn, and chose as the vessel of clay. The poem explains why. Then the master looked down and saw the vessel of clay empty and broken and helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and to make whole, to feel and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I have been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. Why would God deliberately choose an improbable people? I believe it's because God wants to make it clear that the power lies in him and not in us. When people observe drastic healing and transformation in our broken lives, their eyes turn to God. Throughout the ages, God continually chooses to heal and to transform the most improbable candidate. He never changes. From the beginning, his permanence and his everlasting plan was to save us from a life of broken heartedness and wounds as well as our own disasters. The last verse of the vessel, the chosen vessel reads, then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended it and cleansed it and filled it that day. He spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I have poured into you. From my personal experience, I can tell you with Christ's confidence that like this clay vessel, God chose me. And he chose you too. He chose to set you free. And all you have to do is respond to this profound implication that is found in his son and through his power. Or you can be mended and healed today and all you simply have to say is yes. In Christ, you can learn how to accept God's grace and love regardless of your past. You can transform and become what God has designed you to be. You can discover how to look forward to tomorrow with a healthy attitude. You can be mended and set free. You can experience a new identity in Christ as a permanent member of his family forever. And let me remind you that that decision begins with merely saying yes to his invitation. When we yearn for a spiritual breakthrough, we will experience that breakthrough when we finally understand that we are to latch on to God and refuse to let him go. God gives us the most powerful gift, and it is an undeniable awareness of our own brokenness. Because of our sins, we must come to the throne of grace in the posture of repentance to confess our sins and ask God for his grace. It's a gift that none of us would ever choose on our own. 
for we inherently resist any admission of weakness. And why not? One of the first lessons many of us learned from our fathers was when you're hurt, don't cry. And one of the first lessons we learn in competitive sports is show no weakness. And the advice we give ourselves the first time that young love broke our hearts was don't let them know how much they hurt you. How many times have we spent seasons, significant seasons in our lives, masking our hurt and hiding our weaknesses? It is horribly taxing. And it's a lot of work to live a life of invincibility. David, in his weakness, prays that God would cleanse him from sins that defiled him. He prays for sin to be pardoned and that he might have the comfort of this pardon. He asked not to be comforted, watch this, until he was first cleansed from the bitter root of sorrow. Let it be taken away so I can pray in faith. David says, make me hear joy and gladness. In verse 7 in the text, David prays and writes in the Psalms, purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Does anybody hear a David in his brokenness but yet the confidence he has in God when he says, I will be clean. I will be whiter than snow once the Lord purifies me from my sins. David literally is saying is let me know that I have been pardoned. Restore me to the privileges that I have forfeited because of sin in my life. See, David had to follow the law, the Mosaic law. And it had laws like touching a dead body would render a person unclean. And that person who was considered unclean would be shut out of the courts of God's house. And so when the man had touched the dead body, they would sprinkle this man with water or blood or both with a bunch of hyssop. And after they would sprinkle him with this hyssop, he would, he would be discharged from his restrictions and he was no longer polluted. See, the Lord let me, let me be assured is what David is saying that I have been restored to thy favor and to the privilege of communicating, of communion with thee. And, those, and would you allow me to be readmitted to those privileges in which I have forfeited? But for us, it is found upon the gospel of grace. Purge me with hyssop, that is the blood in which Jesus Christ applies to our soul through living faith. And the water was sprinkled by the bunch of hyssop. It is the blood of, blood of Christ that purges our consciousness from dead works, from the guilt of sin and dread of God, which we, which we have shut out communion with him through sin. It is the blood of Christ which cleanses us from all sins. If we be washed in this open fountain, we shall be whiter than snow. Not only acquitted, but accepted. That ought to bring joy in the house this morning. For those who have been justified, when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's in the Bible in 1 John chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 9. 
When we seek forgiveness, the God we serve is quick to blot out our transgressions for his own sake. And he will not remember our sins. It's in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. When we cry for mercy, we can come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in a time of help and need. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 reminds us, so how much assurance do we need that we are forgiven? The answer this morning, beloved, ought to be a resounding nothing. If we take God at his word, and we should, and we believe that God is not a man that should lie, and that his son never changes his mind as we do, then we need to stop fishing and digging through the things that God has already forgiven us for. It grieves the heart of God and it delights the devil when his children continue to fish and to beat themselves up for the things in which they have done. You have already been forgiven and cleansed. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, your wrongdoings, your shortcomings, your missteps, you missing the mark, he does. And that is, and in that moment, he puts those things that are in the past, he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again or brought up again unless you bring it up. You are made new. You are washed clean in the blood of Jesus. Stop grieving the heart of God and stop giving the devil something to dance about. And, and, keep, and don't keep on insisting and going fishing for the stuff that you had already been forgiven for. David in the Psalms says, oh, give me my joy again. You have broken me and now let me rejoice. There are some things in our life that need to be broken. Pride and self-will and stubbornness, sinful habits. When we feel our brokenness, we ought to follow David's example. The Bible says that David can break, has broken, was broken for his proud and rebellious attitude. There was a time in the Bible that Pharaoh, who was proud, had come up against God. And God broke Pharaoh and he set his people free. God will punish those who proudly resist him. David prays for a complete and effectual pardon. But the thing that David wanted the most was to have his joy back. See, sometimes the circumstances of life, the pain of life can rob us of our joy. The pain in our heart truly broken by sin can be compared to that of a broken bone or a spirit that, that allows the wounds to be held open and keep from healing and binding up our wounds. The comfort and joy that arises from a seal, pardon, eases our pain from even the most excruciating pain. It is God's work not only to speak, but to restore joy and gladness. To make us hear that it takes some time, uh, it makes us uncomfortable. 
But God earnestly desires to lift our continents and lighten us. God wants for us to have the gladness in our hearts. He wants us to be reconciled back to him. And for a further act of grace, he would allow us to know him more and more. My joy is not changed from my circumstances being changed. But my joy is because of the increased intimacy I have with God. That I know that I'm in positive relationship with him. And that he still loves me. When God implants his truth in our hearts, it is most important that when we remember, when we begin to beat ourselves up for our sins, when we are struggling, that we are to remember the truth of asking God to remind us of our joy and that we have been set free, to restore us back to his guidance and that he would allow, uh, that we would allow him to keep us safe. David said in verse 9, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. David here is praying for a sanctifying grace. This should be every true repentance plea, an earnest plea for pardon and peace. David says, hide thy face from my sins, that they do not provoke you to deal with me as I deserve. David said, they are ever before me. Could you let them be cast behind thee? Blot out my iniquities out of the book of accounts. Blot them out as a cloud blots out the rays from the sun. David in verse 10 says, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a loyal spirit. David prays not like Saul did to preserve his reputation. Saul said when when he had disappointed God and God had withdrew his spirit, Saul prays to God and says, uh, would you honor me before this people? No. His great concern was that the corruption, that he would change his corrupt nature and not be found guilty of his sin. David prays for the communion with God and God's goodwill toward him, that they would progress progress in him and the good works that he can continue for God. David prays, creating me a clean heart. He saw now more than ever what unclean looked like. He sadly some limits about it. He sees that he couldn't do anything by his own power. And so he comes before the Lord and begs to have a clean heart created in him. God is the only one that makes a heart new. God is the only one that has the power to do the impossible. He created the world by the word of his power. It is by the word of his power and his grace that we are cleaned and we will be sanctified. It was David's heart that was the cause of his sin. The sin was undone. The sin had undone much of the good work that he had done in his life. And so he prays to God. He says, Lord, renew in me a right spirit. Repair the decay of my spiritual strength, which was destroyed by sin. Set me right again. Renew a constant spirit within me. 
He discovered the intimacy with him and God again. He wanted to do the right thing and found himself oftentimes doing the wrong thing. And so he prays, Lord, fix me for the time has come that I may never sin again in this way, that I may never have to worry about you departing and forsaking me. He said, do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. If you remember in Samuel, when David was anointed as a boy, as the future king of Israel, he had already had the promise, the scripture had told us that the spirit never left him after that day. But he prayed that his spirit would never be taken from him. See, David was in a unique position. David had seen what happens to a man when God withdraw his spirit because he saw Saul. And he saw how tormented Saul was and how depressed Saul was when God had taken his spirit from him. David cried, cast me not from thy presence. He is praying that God does not take away his protection. He wanted to be, he wanted God to be in his presence, to be wherever he was all of the time. Don't we desire that? David prayed that he might be under the protection and the guidance of God and the wisdom and the power of God would always be with him. David said, Lord, do not dismiss God's judgment to me. Remember Nathan? Nathan had already informed David that he was going to have to suffer the judgment of his sins. And here's David's own word after Nathan pronounces the judgment upon his life. David said, God's will be done. Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath. If thy sword comes into my house, may it never depart from me. Yet, let me know, this is awesome, let me know that I have a God that I can run to in my distress. Would we be undone if God would withdraw his spirit from us? Yes, we would. But David knows it. And he begs the Lord earnestly. Whatever you have to do, God. If you have to take my children, my crown, my life. Take it all, but don't take your spirit from me. I'm in the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15. But continue thy Holy Spirit with me to perfect the work of my repentance and to prevent me from relapsing into sin and to enable me to discharge my duty both as prince and psalmist. He prays for restoration and God's divine comfort and perpetual communication of God's divine grace. In verse 12, he says, return me to the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. David has found two effects from sin. It made him sad. And so he prays, restore me to my joy of my salvation. A child of God ought to know real joy, the joy of God's salvation. We recognize our joy in God as our savior and the hope of eternal life. By willfully sinning, we can forfeit our joy and deprive ourselves of it. Our faith and our hope are shaken 
And when we give ourselves call to doubt our salvation, how can we expect to get the joy from it? When we truly repent, we can pray and hope that God will restore us to joy. Those who sow tears of sorrow can reap in the joy of God's salvation. When the time of refreshing comes, then David says what he will do when God restores his joy. He said, I will teach those who are rebellious against you so they might return to you. What a good work he promised to do. He said, I will teach the transgressor thy ways. David, having been a transgressor himself, who could be better to speak than to the transgressor? David, having experienced the mercy of God and found it in the way of repentance, David said, I'm going to teach that to other folk that they might know they can be, be forgiven for sin. What a great pursuit to be a teacher to the transgressor, to be a help to those in their conversion to God. Happy are those who are instructed to continue the work and find peace with God. James chapter 5, verse 20. You can be assured that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save the person from death and bring about forgiveness for many sinners. Watch this in verse 15. Watch what David asked God to do for him. He said, unseal my lips that my mouth may praise you. He said, Lord, allow me to open my mouth and to give you praise. I'm not, I'm, I'm not only going to teach and instruct sinners, but I want to be able to show forth your praise in my life. I wonder, is there anybody in the house this morning who have experienced the forgiving power of God who are willing to open your mouth and give God some praise? God literally saved your raggedy life when you were undone and unworthy. And so that's why we ought to open our mouth and give God some praise. Sometimes we can't praise God because of the sin in our life. But David said, you must press through anyhow and praise and praise God anyhow. Because guess what? That's where your breakthrough comes from. It's through your praise. See, guilt closed his lips and the enemy tried to stop his mouth from praying and praising. He could not praise for the shame. He could not praise because the fear had come into his heart that somehow he would offend God. But God much less spoke to his heart and says, you are forgiven. Just come to God as you are. Because it dampened his praise, he had lost his joy of his salvation. Look, David literally hung his harp up in a tree and he stopped singing and praising God. And that's why David says, Lord, open my life put my heart back in tune again that I might be able to praise you. Those of us who have been tongue-tied by the reason of guilt, you can be assured of forgiveness if you come to God in your sins. What God desires of us is a broken spirit. God will not reject the brokenhearted. He will not reject those who come to him in repentance. 
God desires, does not desire the sacrifice of torn beast. What God desires is the tore heart of man. He will not overlook it. He will not refuse or reject it. Those who it gives God no satisfaction for the wrong that our sins have caused in our life, but he does not despise it. Our God who overlooks heaven and earth will look favorably upon the brokenhearted and the contrite spirit. I like to be of the mindset that God's blessings take shape in those who will come to him broken, the sick, the weak. If you come to him, he will make you whole. And watch this. We, we don't think of it this way. But could our brokenness literally be a gift from God? God wants us to seek his face. Look for his communion with him. He wants us to fall on our knees before God and said, restore the joy of my salvation. Let me know, God, that you still love me. I've been sitting here all bound up, unable to give you praise because of my raggedy life. I've literally set my praise aside. And God, like David said, David said, Lord, open my mouth. Open my mouth that I might praise you because it is you and you alone who is keeping me even in the midst of my sins. See, I've seen God work in the midst of weaknesses. I've seen what believing in the Messiah can do. If you just surrender to him, he would for you like he was for David be the triumphant king. But I've also seen God. I've seen him arrive to Isaiah as the suffering savior, despised and figured, disfigured. So the implications for our life is by God's grace, we can be made whole. Uh, Steve or somebody come or um, Josh, I want us to read this prayer together as we close. If you would stand to your feet, we can get that up on the prayer, up on the, the screen. Do we have that, Brother William? The prayer should be at the end of the text. Yes, there it is. Let us read together out loud. Father, thank you for your amazing mercy and grace. Thank you, Abba Father, for your powerful and immeasurable love for us, your precious child. Forgiving Father, we thank you for the sea of forgetfulness that was created the day your son died on the cross for us. That sea is filled with your blood of your son, our Lord and our Savior, where the power of the blood was to destroy every yoke and condemn and put to death forever every sin and iniquity. Father, right now, we call on this same cleansing blood to silence the mouth of the accuser.
in Jesus' name, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. As the doors of the church are open, you can make your way down to this altar and we'll pray with you. We'll lead you to Jesus Christ. If you've been struggling and carrying the burdens of life and you haven't been having much success, if you just get broken before the Lord, he will restore your joy. He will open your mouth to praise again. That's the God we serve. He loved us so much that he sent his son into the world to die for unworthy men like you and I. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. That's the man plays.